Coming up on Supernatural Confessions. Call it brave, call it whatever. I walked over and I yelled quite loudly, Stop playing! Sat back on my spot. Then I felt this. Okay, if I were to turn around, I think my heart would stop. I would die with my eyes open. Fire. Supernatural Confessions. Hello, and welcome to Supernatural Confessions, our weekly podcast where we feature and discuss all things supernatural, especially here in Singapore and Southeast Asia. We cover the myths, the urban legends, the superstitions, and most importantly, your personal encounters with the paranormal. I'm your host, Timo, inviting you to share your stories with us on our Facebook page or on our website, supernaturalconfessions.com. This episode features clips from our live show, which I host of Supernatural Confessions founder, Eugene Tay, streaming Friday nights at 10 on FB Live. Also joining us is veteran paranormal investigator E.T., whose critical approach and attention to detail have given him a keen eye and the insight to make rational deductions and find scientific explanations to most paranormal cases. To catch it in full, search for Supernatural Confessions and like us on Facebook. And now, on to the show. Supernatural The topic of haunted schools has been covered numerous times in this podcast series. The reasons for such paranormal activity have included everything from student suicides to burial grounds upon which the schools were built. Another theory suggests that when a usually crowded place is suddenly devoid of human energy, it then attracts another type of energy. Supernatural Confessions visited a former school compound in Singapore to speak to a group of individuals still stationed there, who all claim to experience strange occurrences in the now-defunct educational institute. For the purpose of anonymity, their voices have been altered to protect their identities. For the full video, check supernaturalconfessions.com. There are various teams on standby, so they are night duty teams that we do 12-hour shift. They saw someone peeping from the door in a humanoid shape. After that, uh, one of our colleagues from another site was posted here. And then uh, the disturbances started to occur more often. Three of them saw the same thing. And the funny thing was that after discussion, uh, we had like this thing revealed itself to three different people of different levels of skepticism different religion and different races at the same time. I am a Muslim, I am Malay, and uh, I don't always encounter these kind of things. And But when it came to this uh, area itself, I didn't really have a good feeling about it much. Uh, because, uh, I don't know, knowing that this place uh, wasn't really occupied before we set it up for this operation, um, there, there was bound for something to happen. When we went in, uh, the vibe was just different because uh, there's this weird vacuum feeling, just very heavy. Uh, as, I, as I went in, I, I was just looking at the carpet or the matting on the floor 
and it, it just felt very weird. I I looked up to the there's this small room at the back was mini for a control room to fall lights and stuff. At the point at this point of time, we noticed that there was no power at all. Um, even the exit signs were not even uh, switched on. So I noticed this really bright light. What struck out to me was that it was uh, as bright as you know those kind of um, altars that you have. Of, I mean, yeah, those red red color altars. It was that bright to me. So my religion is uh, Taoist. So adding on to what he says, so when we go in the room, I saw the red light too. But for me, I saw the red light approaching towards me getting closer and closer. So this is when, when I turn my head to the right and I start, the, uh, I start to see the light starting to form into a ladylike figure. Moving slowly towards me, it's like floating down. Yeah, getting closer and closer to us, but we are all walking down the lateral hall. I'm a Hindu. Right, so as we went into the LT3, right, as we call it, um, while walking, so I was just at the top. Uh, I was the last one, chose to be the last one for some reason that day. Uh, I think we all saw this at the same point of time. Uh, for me, it was a very strong presence. I saw a glimpse of a red figure or sort forming. So mine was literally forming out, right and coming towards us as that was happening i was like okay let's just walk let's not stay here anymore and i just shine the light at the back because for me light has you know a, a very general state light overcomes darkness and all that so it's only after that when we came down then all of us mentioned the same story and we were like okay so on that day, Mr. W suddenly had this urge to go to this auditorium, this specific auditorium. We had no idea why, but we, we went in and this occurred. Lah. After that, we will, we say, hey, we need to go back to this room. All eight of us have to go back to this room, find out what was what, what happened that night. So the, the, this was the freaky thing for this part. When Mr. W came in, he stepped in, he looked, say, nope, you guys carry on. I'm not doing this. And he walked out straight away. So all of us were perplexed, but we felt uneasy. We immediately left. So when we stepped outside, he was quite exasperated. He was saying, can't you see her? Can't you see her? He was, she is looking at us at the corner of the AV room. Okay, so over here actually, uh, we climbed up to the top where it overlooks this uh, path over here, which links on the building from the rooftop. After we took a picture of each other selfie kind of thing, I saw a shadow just from the top over here coming towards us in this direction. It was, it had a hood, a hooded uh, head and a shoulder and humanoid figure on the top. I immediately went to the edge from over there and peered down when my colleague Mr. S pulled me back. He said, what are you doing? You know, he was fearing for my safety. What are you doing? So I told him, I saw something. I need to debunk it. But over here, as you can see, the, the light is this way, but the shadow was moving towards here and, and it's, I couldn't find it after that. So these guys, they actually came up and uh, they, they emailed us and they said, hey, these are the things that are happening in the school and, uh, you know, would you want to come down and take a look? Uh, obviously, by me being there, I'm not supposed to be there. So a lot of what we are trying to film really cannot be seen. And I was there to actually go to all these locations that they have pointed out, like set in the auditorium. There was one, even the flagpole, uh, where they actually sent us a clip of a flagpole. And one of the, you know, your, your school flagpole, you have two, right? Or is it three? Two, right? Well, usually two. One is your school flag and one is the national flag. Yes. 
and in the video without anyone touching or anything you see the flag post stop a little bit and go again but the other one is exactly ramrod straight uh, but these guys who actually came up to us they themselves said they are pro et's camp they are skeptics these are uh, people who are not you know, everything's the hantu. They are like, when that happened, in fact, this guy, Mr. I'm going to call him Mr. X. Mr. X told me that, first thought, maybe there's an underground river. Maybe the wind blew in a different angle. Like he was trying his ways and means to debunk what he was seeing. And he says, we can't. Uh, if it slowed down and picked up again, then how do you even explain that? There are many other occasions where they saw shadowy figures. Uh, they felt uneasy. But because they cannot prove, or they, it's easier to debunk shadows and imagination. Uh, one guy was in the toilet bathing and praying and he felt that uh, uh, someone was touching his shoulder. So all these other incidences, very small incidences, add up to a whole big, one collective experience. How did you feel when you walked into the school? It's very eerie. But that does not mean that the place is haunted. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? but I do want to know what your feeling was. I mean, did, did you get the goose? Especially when you're sitting in the LT, when you're LT by yourself. I mean, what was your general state of mind? How, how did you feel? I didn't, I didn't get the goose when I was walking through most parts of the buildings. Uh, it was that I was even sitting in a dark uh, dance studio with full on mirrors you know how scary that would be right uh, yeah, I know how you feel about mirrors yes yeah. uh, I didn't get I didn't get anything at all there, but there was okay. one particular area in the common hall uh, and this mm. was before I knew where the incidences were taking place I said yeah. this room I feel a very strong vortex and mm. if anything at all that would happen in this floor in this entire L shape area this would be the place where everything would happen and they said yes okay. lights would turn on and off by itself and these are automatic lights so things have to walk past of us yeah so a red run by you won't trigger you need to be slightly of of of, of mess uh lights mm. will turn on and off by itself uh they would they would they call it the the peaker because a few of them have seen when they were out there doing their rounds something would peek around the wall and run away when they would walk towards that that thing uh so so that's the spot that happened and when we were there um someone when i was in the room when i walked into the room someone shouted hey and i think he saw a shadow turning around so we ran after the shadow we went up to the it led to a stairs and at that point in time everyone was like okay <laughs> like what did we see again i guess with the with the number of people around me i i wasn't so did that scared you, you didn't you didn't notice it though i was just i was i just stepped into the room into the other room so i missed out because anything that has happened it just happened outside Okay, but the reason why, I mean, I asked you how you felt and all that is because I want to ascertain that these are feelings that you actually got prior to them actually telling you the stories. Because obviously, you know, if people tell you and all that gets your imagination running yeah. and stuff like that, then, you know, you can always kind of attribute it to that. But if yeah. you're already feeling, you know, your nerves coming on end at certain places with absolutely no background knowledge of this place, mm. then that could lead to some other reasons right yeah so i didn't i didn't know the location yeah i knew i knew what happened i just didn't know where it occurred okay yeah uh and i think the 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 rooftop right uh generally the rooftop was scary by virtue that rooftops just are very dark because you have the lights on the wall you saw it from the video right but mm, mm, there's mm. There, in between water tanks and the adjoining rooftop area and the very low parapet it's it just looks scary. It looks eerie. And I would imagine if I was there alone, um, 
I would probably feel there are things lurking around. Uh, but again, um, we didn't, I didn't, when I was there, I didn't catch any irrefutable evidence. But uh, there's one incident that happened in the the basement area where uh, a team, the paranormal team that uh, I, I brought in, they put a motion sensor on the floor, right? And it was one of those motion sensors that's like used for fishing. Uh, when something moves, then, or something touch it, then the light will start to flicker. Right. Okay. So they put it there. They started talking to the entity, inviting the entity to touch the thing, and true enough, the ball lighted up. But that was just wow. Yeah. Okay. So they did all that. But uh, what was interesting was the the auditorium that I sat inside. Um, and from the stories and the lights that I saw, there was no way that that could be fabricated unless all five skeptics who took the risk of inviting us in at the expense of losing their job wanted to fake it for reasons that I don't know. Uh, one of them said, do you see that? And the other guy said, the woman in red. And the third guy was like, I didn't see a woman in red, but I saw a ball of red glow moving towards this direction. So all three of them confirmed that. And the next day they went down again to check out the place. Uh, the, the One of the guys says, can you not see the entity is standing right there? He refused to go in. Wow. Yeah. The story that, that caught my attention the most was the guy on the rooftop when he was walking towards the edge and his friend grabbed him and said, what are you doing? Mm. It reminded me actually of that story that you shared with us a long time ago when you were walking the rooftop of Old OC. Chinese Hospital, right? Yeah. Where you were felt drawn to a certain area and then your friend pulled you back because apparently you were about to walk, you know, off the edge yes you know to your death right <laughs> so <laughs> so that that kind of brought back memories of of that particular story et what do you think of uh this uh particular all these stories this series of stories from this old school you know all these things always occur not just in the lt but always this particular place the av room the one right at the back right where only technicians go and only those fellas from what ava or what can go there uh, yeah. Because why there's tons of equipment. So guess what I'm going to say, right? Because there's tons of equipment. Oh, no. He's going to blame it on the EMF, right? I refuse to say that word. What's interesting to note is that they specifically said that even the exit lights were off. So obviously that this place was really abandoned. All electricity was cut off. Hmm. When there's no electricity, what does it mean? It means almost zero chance of having a huge dose of EMF. So I would totally rule out EMF from this entire thing. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Just because the lights are not on doesn't necessarily mean that there is no electricity going into the building at all, though, right? Because generally, uh, the last thing that gets that, that they remove electricity from is probably the exit lights. Because exit lights are those emergency lights which are always on. Hmm. No matter whether all the stuff is switched off. So you yes. think there's absolutely no electricity going into this building at all? I would think so lah. That, that's my deduction wow. lah. Okay. okay. What else is interesting is the entire story of how three different people have the same account. I mean, it seems like like others when the other play, type um, stories which, which, which were shared with us, and then I say that it's the power of persuasion and stuff. Now the difference is this: it's not like when people have dream and then they come together to discuss to fill up the stories. These guys were together. They saw the same thing at the same time, which is why they have exactly the same account. Um. And like uh, I think they shared earlier uh, in this episode about schools and stuff like that uh, because of the first story, right? Uh, that, you know, when, when people leave, there's this level of neutrality of energy 
in the abandoned school. So I wouldn't be be surprised if it caused all these negative entities to be attracted to it. Lah. Okay, and this could be one possible example. Another interesting point, you know, I mean, in, in this story, I picked out a lot of interesting points, which is why it led me to say things which surprise you guys. Lah, okay, We're still waiting for more, by the way. <laughs> all three of them come from different religions. Now, why yeah. you might be thinking, why is that an important factor, right? Okay, the thing is this, you think about it, um, if you are from different religious beliefs, right? Uh, it kind of shapes the way we so-called see entities and deities from the same sighting, right? Some can see angels, some can see gods, etc, etc. But these three guys generally saw the same thing. The accounts seem like three or four red lights that came together and form a humanoid uh, figure. You know, to me, uh, the first thing that came to my mind is not the hantu. Could it be an alien or not? Because, you know, you watch all those alien movies, right? The first thing that happens when light becomes a humanoid. It's not a hantu, it's an alien. So it doesn't mean that just because we put it on supernatural confession, That's it has to be the it. hantu. It's going to be a new hashtag. Must be the alien. That's what ET stands for, extraterrestrial. Right? And then there's three of them, right? Right? There were these three guys. So does it really support that old wife's tale of never walk in trees? Could it be because it was three of them going into the place together causing them to have such a sighting? I really don't know but to me it's an interesting story. Um, I, Because I'm not there and I think it would be good if we can do a gadget setup and I think it's also good to, to find the history of the place, right? Now, even though it was an entity I think it was friendly it didn't seem like a poltergeist because nothing moved they didn't get injured and stuff like maybe it wants to send a message or something like that. So my conclusion, I don't think it's the EMF or, or, or something scientific. It does seem that there's some form of uh, supernatural occurrence over here. So, so it must be the... I told you already, what? I told you just now, you never listen. It might be an alien. Supernatural confessions. Recently, news broke that the former Caldecott Broadcast Center had been put up for sale. Property experts estimate the land value of upwards of $400 million. The center effectively ceased operations in 2017 after more than six decades, during which many former employees claimed there was more to Caldecott than just broadcasting. All right, JT, thank you for joining us uh, on this episode. Understand that you have had quite a number of experiences over at Caldecott Broadcast Centre as well. You are a former journalist. How long would you say you spent at Caldecott Broadcast Centre all in all? I practically grew up there, so it's about, I would say, 12 years. And obviously, because you were a journalist, you were mainly at the, the TV building, is that correct? It's mainly the TV building, but um, because the TV theatre is under the radio building, um, mm -hmm. sometimes you do have to run tapes over when you are covering um, events in, in the theatre. You know, there was a bridge that linked the radio to the TV building. Yes, on the second floor, yeah. Yes, that's where it's... I wouldn't say it's an encounter. It's more like a foreboding feeling where, you know, when I'm running the tape from TV theatre, I take the lift up to the second floor, I run the tape across, but just when I was at the entrance to the bridge, I just had this really, really bad feeling that, you know, um, if I were to run through there, I wouldn't come back out sane. So what I did was I just stood at the entrance, shut my eye, and it just felt like I was going into a swamp area. So that was when I, I was like, okay, no. And I ran down the stairs 
across the parking lot and up the stairs to go to the ENG, which is like the video editing booth. Was this basically just one-time thing or every time you would take that bridge? Every time when I try to take that bridge at night and I'm rushing to get the tape edited to make the nine o'clock news, that is when I have that feeling. And after about three times, I just don't use that bridge. I just automatically go across the car park. But you must have taken that bridge countless other times, maybe in the day. In the day, it's fine. In the day, it's practically fine. But Hmm. I don't know, maybe that's the bewitching hour. Who knows, you know, Hmm. Um, some portal open. I really don't know. Were you the only one, to your knowledge, who ever had this whole foreboding feeling every time you were crossing the bridge? A couple of um, the cameramen did have that Hmm. feeling so but then they ran across so they they said that after that there were like shivers down their spines but nothing happened but I didn't want to I didn't want to um, try my luck Were there lights on that bridge? Because I can't remember I only ever crossed that bridge in the daytime At night I'm not sure There were lights but they were very dim so that's why it can get really scary because um there are things stored there as well so you don't know you don't know what's lurking behind ah okay Mm. but my most um, memorable one wasn't at the bridge it was um, when I had to work the graveyard shift from 12 midnight to 4am that was before the morning shows and before the 24-hour news channels. Okay, what happened? Because we only had 9 p.m. news then, we tend to miss the news that happened like after 11 p.m. So what the boss did was he said that um, he needed people to do the graveyard shift. And once when there is like a big fire or murder happening after the 9 p.m., bulletin then i can actually um activate the the crew or activate someone then we'd be able to cover the news and not miss anything when it was my turn i was wondering how come we can't have somebody you know we can't have uh, um two reporters working on that shift and he said but it was because of manpower so okay so i went in we had to do the duty on the second floor where there were the editors, you know, the output area. There was the um, Tamil news, the um, Chinese news, the Malay news and radio. TV reporters are just on the second floor. This was on the third floor. So what happened was at 2.45 a.m. when everything is dark except for my light and CNN on TV. Then I heard like somebody on the Tamil side typing on the keyboard. So I was like, ooh, who is that? And it was quite scary because, you know, it's everything's dark. You don't see anything. But you, I kind of figured that whatever it was there could see me. Hmm. And I thought to myself, it, if it was a stray cat, I would be stupid. I, I, I look silly to myself even. So I just ignored the sound. How far would you say uh, this uh, Tamil desk was from where you were? Um, I would say about 15 steps. Oh, so still very, very close, but it's not in your line of sight though. No, it's in a huge room. It's in, it's like um, three times your small office in radio where you have like about 20 people, 20 desks or more. Yeah. 
Okay. Couldn't see a thing. Just heard the keyboards going. So. I just left it as that. Continue. And you are certain that there was absolutely nobody in the room. Yeah, there wasn't anyone. There was no one in the room. Um, then after that, about six minutes or seven minutes later, it sounded like someone tearing paper off the printer. And again, my thoughts went to the stray cats because two days before that, they were talking about stray cats wandering into the office. So we couldn't throw our leftover packets of food at inside the office when we leave. So I thought, hmm, maybe it's the stray cats rummaging through the waste paper basket. So I just refused to look that way and continue with my work, monitoring the news, watching CNN. And five minutes later, a beta tape box fell from diagonally across me. And it went wham on the floor. And that was when I jumped because Immediately, I thought, if it wasn't placed properly, it would have fallen way earlier. Why did it fall right there and then? Like you said, a cat, perhaps? I'm not too sure. But by then, it's like heckles behind my neck were up. And so I stood up. And yes, I call it foolhardy, call it brave, call it whatever. I walked over and there was a tape box on the floor. Mm. I picked it up and I yelled quite loudly, Stop! Playing. I put it back on, sat back on my spot, kept watching CNN and not saying anything. Then I felt this, somebody touching my hair. It's like from the back. It's like stroke. It's like, okay, sayang, sayang, you know? Wow. Yes. So I thought, okay, if I were to turn around, I think my heart would stop. I would die with my eyes open. Or I would be like, have to be warded in IMH or something. So I just calmly said this, I'm sorry, I have to take over your time when you're supposed to be playing around here, but mm. I can't help it because if you want to go and go after someone, go after the boss. And I said his name. And, <laughs> and then when I, you know, when I'm done, I return the place to you. Okay? Right. Okay. And everything went calm again. Wow. So the only time I realized that it was an encounter was when I reached home. My mm. mom opened the door. She said I had really dark circles under my eyes. And first thing she said was, you had an encounter, didn't you? I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Okay. But these dark circles on your eyes, could they be due to lack of sleep? I mean, you've been working the night shift. That, that could be. That could be. Right. No, the night shift was that one, one off. Because we were okay. all um, scheduled for the one-off. Okay. Yes. So, in your heart of hearts, you mm. believe that whatever was in that room was trying to get your attention. Yes. But whatever it is, you know, at first it was... If it had been a cat, I would have heard the meow, meow, meow. I would have heard the, you know, the, the claws on the floor sort of like scurrying or something like that. But I didn't hear those. I have cats at home, I would know. And when you heard the, te the paper tearing, now we're referring to those old dot matrix printers, is it? With the perforated yes. lines where you yes. actually have to tear. So a cat, you know, like clawing away at paper isn't actually going to sound like tearing uh, printer paper from the reel. I guess it's a sort of like reassuring myself <laughs> mm, because okay. I didn't want to believe that there were these things yeah. there. Mm. All right. 
So I guess the most important question is, what did your colleague say? I'm sure you shared the, uh, the, the encounter, the details with them the next day to find out what the heck was going on, right? Did any of them uh, share uh, information, common experiences that you had just uh, had? Some of them said that they, you know, from the corner of their eyes, they saw like glimpses of um, children and stuff like that. But I, I'm not too sure. Then after I shared my story, a couple of them who had to do their shift snuck in their husbands <laughs> and uh, after throwing your boss under the bus right did you ever hear if anything happened to him after you pouted him to the spirits no yeah. I didn't maybe he maybe he didn't believe so he didn't think anything of it okay. so uh, maybe something happened but he didn't say so no one knew no one knew and uh, you also spend quite a fair amount of time in the newsroom uh, mm. over at the TV building as well. When I talk to my wife, Sabrina, she, strangely enough, says that she has spent many a night being the only person there doing the late night shift, and she's never really encountered anything. Do you have any experiences or have you heard of anything in the newsroom? The second level, no, I haven't. But the um, senior producer at um, Current Affairs, he said there were several nights when he was working and he heard knocking on his window really like someone knocking as though they you know, like let me in so but then he didn't bother because like me he said i don't want to have to see something and then faint or die or something like that yeah some of my former colleagues said that they actually saw children so mm. I, i'm not too sure because i i didn't see anything i just felt the presence i just felt the, the stroking of the hair but yeah. i didn't actually see the children. Now, did they say children or did they say child? Because the one thing that I've heard a lot is a little girl. I've never heard of children as in more than one child, uh, but you're saying they actually saw... Children, yes. Okay. They actually saw children from the corner of their eyes running along the corridor. The, the little girl I often hear belongs to the radio building. Hmm. But um, TV building they actually hear children. You know, sometimes when you're not paying attention, you actually sort of like hear very soft laughter going, <laughs> and then you go, oh, children playing. Then you go, oh, you know? Yeah, like, wait, why, why would there be children here at this time of the night? At this hour, and then you go, oh, no. <laughs> okay. Thank you for sharing your own encounters, but is there a particularly creepy one you've heard from maybe some of your colleagues or maybe an urban legend? Someone who's heard it from someone who's someone who heard it from someone? Because there have been a lot of tales told about Caldecott over the years. Truth be told, we don't know how much of it is really fact, but uh, there have been some pretty outrageous ones out there. Have you heard of any outrageous ones? I heard heard of this this um, woman in the mirror which is you know where TV personalities even the newscasters go to the old building for makeup next to the basketball court the wardrobe department and the makeup unit yeah yes yes okay there's one lady's toilet there um, apparently never go in there alone because if you're washing your hands and you didn't look in the mirror while you're washing your hands when you look up from the tap you will see the woman looking at you. It's an old woman's face. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. So it means you, you're looking in the mirror, you look down, you look back up, and she's suddenly standing behind you. No, she's your reflection. Oh my God. She's looking out from the mirror at you. I got the chills when you said that. Yes. I heard that from a couple of the, the actresses who's now are no longer actresses. So um, 
I think one of them has moved to the US and another one, I, I don't know where they are, but they were the ones who, would, who have been telling me. So sometimes when, you know, when we meet up, um, I ask them about the woman in the mirror. They go, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. And they're certain that the woman was not them, right? Because they had just come out of makeup unit and stuff like that. No, because they'll be looking in the mirror while washing their hands so they know how they look like. Then they look down to wash, you know, to, to make sure that the hands are clean. Then when they look up again, it's the woman who's looking at them. So it'll be like, no! And they'll hear a big bang when the door opens, they'll be running out. Wow. Okay, that that is definitely way up there in terms of of creepy tales from Caldecott. You would have to go and and look for someone who had that experience before. All right. Thank you very much, JT. Appreciate your time with us tonight. I can't wait to hear what our viewers and listeners actually have to say regarding some of the tales that you've actually shared with us tonight. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. Okay, so I was I was quite a fan of the confession, right? And you know how much I hate mirrors, especially with mirrors and reflection. And many of you who have been hearing us on podcasts and our live show would know till today when I drink or I brush my teeth, when I'm when I'm in a room with mirrors, I never ever turn my back to the mirror. I will always keep an eye on the mirror to make sure I see my reflection. And even that's because you're so vain, like you want to see your no hands. No lah, you see his own face, you get scared lah. <laughs> that's the scariest hat too lah. <laughs> Uh, so I mean this could be an urban legend and quite frankly it has all the makings of an urban legend and uh, to be fair I think JT said she did not encounter that herself but that, that was a rumor that was going around there was this female toilet in that block where you go there you wash your hand you look down and you look up and the you know the reflection I I I, I, st- I even though part of my brain tells me it's an urban legend it's probably tamba we know we all add spices in it it's still very mm. scary uh, so okay. I'm going to I'm going to not <laughs> even if I have my doubts I would never go to the toilet and try to take that risk and challenge the spirit <laughs> cannot because it's a female toilet <laughs> that's never stopped him before uh, that's true that's true now that you said it bro that's true but what about the experience that she actually went through firsthand? Uh, let's start with the uh, you know let, let's start with the bridge first okay okay let's start with the bridge mm. yeah uh, the bridge that connects the radio to the TV building right the second floor if you go by the car park and you, you drive out you will see that green colour building or green colour bridge across that actually connects if I'm not wrong my memory serves me right serves me well that bridge connects to the one level down which is the wardrobe department basically it's the second floor of the radio building okay it uh, it joins to the to the stairwell actually mm. of the radio building yeah. right and mm. it cuts across to the TV building which is that floor is the editing room or something like that one floor beneath that because the wardrobe department is uh, one is on the, the first floor but this is a different wardrobe department from the one where the, the creepy uh, woman in the mirror is uh, okay. that one is at the basketball court this is the correct the, this is the middle the one side. isn't that where Jitsia says she saw yes that that's is the, the one, one right? she, she, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the one yeah, so the one. if yeah. I'm just I'm just thinking in terms of geographical location. Uh, if a ghost would play around that area uh, and to see a bridge, which is actually they call it a bridge, but in actual fact, it's a narrow corridor connecting two buildings. Yeah. Uh, if you stand at one side and you look to down the the path at the other, with the coloured walls, with the very dim line and the the old floor, that looks already like a a perfect set for a horror movie uh, and because of the 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 closeness it is to a 
a room where it's so reputed to be haunted. Now, I can imagine that the spirits from that room would also easily play in that second level above because unlike humans, they can just go through walls, right? So if you look at the entire geographical location, that seems to be connected as a one space for them to play. Okay. All right. Now we move on to the... Uh the extra special story, the one with the oh oh grab your hair. That one, yeah. Sayang, uh, okay. sayang. Uh, what what what? Besides her throwing her boss under the bus, which I really enjoyed. I loved it. I loved that part. It's like, go and come after my boss. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think what JT did is. Uh, for our listeners especially if you're from Florida or uh, you're from Australia or anywhere else in the world one thing that you must uh, probably realize about Singaporeans is when we meet a ghost when we come to a ghostly encounter we have all been taught by our grandparents to try to negotiate with the ghost no 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 we are told to ignore first. Ignore. And only when you cannot ignore, Correct. then you try to negotiate with the ghost. And after you fail in the negotiation, what do you do? Get angry. And after get angry and that fails and backfires, then you? Say sorry. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> the four steps. The four steps. So ignore yes. first. And if you cannot ignore like what happened to her, like things start falling, she was doing work, everything was moving around. Clearly, there were poltergeist activity. And... Uh, if you listen to any of the very vanilla office story, even USS itself, uh, mm. such stories of things moving at night, ghosts playing around, dragging chairs, uh, knocking over uh, uh, folders, common, right? So these mm. are the kind of incidences that we can all agree are very common phenomena that happen. But what she did is also a very Singaporean thing where you go up and you negotiate. Please, la, don't disturb, la. Then you know. Mm. Then she shouted, right? Mm. I ha- I had enough or something, and then come back later, right? And then the ghost sayang her, <sighs> touching her hair. Yeah. And this is pitch. This is very dark, where the only lights are coming from the TV that's showing CNN and your computer screen. Ooh. Okay. And remember, this is after you have heard a tape drop, you have heard tearing of the printer paper. <sighs> And then now you've got something touching your hair from the back. I I would I would do what JT did. I would not turn around. Mm. <laughs> I would just GTFO turn. Yeah. Or we would walk straight turn and just get out of that place. But you know, our journalists are very professional and you know, hell or high water or hell or hantu, they got to get the story out. Yeah, very professional. I like I like I like, I like JT's style. So yeah. Uh, again, what, what she mentioned um, is very in line with the kind of uh, stories that comes out of Caldicott Hill and not just Caldicott Hill, uh, Golden Mile Complex, uh, USS, any of this uh, big companies or office that sits on some old Asian crown because Caldicott Broadcast Hill was around since 1930s right even through the Japanese occupation and everything and some of the rumours was that I mean this was uh, covered many times in terms of urban legend uh, some people with the site they, they, they sort of confirmed that as well there was a burning there was a fire and actually children died mm, mm, mm. okay Pastor Leon did uh, drop a message a while ago uh, he brought up the whole Caldecott is near the whole Bukit Brown oh, yeah. area, right? Yeah. 
Do you think that maybe some of the spiritual activity that is experienced at Caldecott Hill might be related? I, I don't know. I, I understand where Pastor Leon is coming from with regards to, you know, you see a cemetery there. But from my understanding, um, an understanding that I, I, I share with some uh, uh, spiritual practitioners is that a lot of the spirits that are buried or are lo- wandering around in the cemetery they are really anchored and stuck in the cemetery. Mm. They don't wander out of the cemetery. Uh, the cemetery mm. gates, even though it's a gate, uh, but the symbolism behind that uh, tra- transverse through human gate and also to a spiritual gate. That gate has been blessed. And that's why a cemetery gate is very important in keeping spirits inside. So I don't think that these are the the convicts that escape from the, the, the cemetery to haunt the hill. Busted out of like Bukit Brown and like, ha ha, yeah, the car. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. From my understanding, I don't think so. That's not prison what Prison break, prison break. <laughs> prison break, exactly. <laughs> E.T., what did you think of JT's confession? Go ahead, give it all out. Okay, so basically, um, I mean, from what she said, I, I think she's a huge cat lover. So usually people who who are very fond of their, their, their pets, right, would definitely know if it's a cat or not. So I, I, mm. I, I think, I, I, or at least I don't think it's a cat over here. Um, however, when she heard someone typing and then paper tearing, right, could it really have been someone or that she just didn't see because it was quite dark? Because both sounds seems related. You type and then there's a printer sound, you tear the paper. So, you know, ha- okay. And, and the other thing is this, having worked in an ops room last time in Mindef, uh, you know, those impact printers or what we call dometric printers, those that have the papers that's all connected with that dotted things that, yeah, you know, yeah, on yeah. the side. Yeah, the so, perforated so, lines, right? Yeah. Do you know that sometimes if you don't tear it and it, it keeps printing, right? Because some, sometimes it's for security purpose. Once it reaches a certain, it bunches up and then reaches a certain weight, right? The, at certain angles, there, there is a chance that it can actually tear off itself because I've seen it happen before and it's not the hantu. Okay? So, that is one. So, you think that could be a reason why she heard the tearing noises? That, that is one possibility because those paper, firstly, it's it's perforated. So, it's already yeah, it's they're given. perforated. Yeah. So, but they're also stacked, right? They're also stacked, you know, and, and folded. So, right? when it prints out at the end, if let's say there's a lot of printing and, and you don't tear it off, it bunches up and, and has this certain weight, right? And it actually has torn off before. I've seen it happen before. Okay. Yeah. So the, here's the thing, bro. She was the only one there. There was nobody else doing. That's what she printing. thought, lah. Maybe she never see the corners. You know, fifteen steps away. She's the only away. person in the office, bro. At that Did night. Did she walk around? And, and see? from where she was, look. If you were the only person there late at night doing yeah. that shift, she's already said it. Someone comes in, they are going to say hi. Okay, they're not gonna go do their stuff maybe and then walk maybe right by like you. The cool guy just walks in, uh, like that. They just walk past. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> all right. So okay, so that's your explanation for the paper. Okay, what do we think about the rest of it? Yeah. So you know, so the hair touching and stuff like that. Okay. So basically, when someone walks and your 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 feet rubs against the ground, you actually build up static electricity. And usually in an aircon room, because of the dryness, right, you actually build a lot of static. And some people, like, so we need to ask JT, is she the kind of person that's like me, where I build up a lot of static electricity because you know I'm electrifying, but but you don't have enough hair. Yeah, that's the, the maybe that's the problem because it doesn't, you know, <laughs> it doesn't discharge or something like that. So yes, you know that even someone like me, right? Even my hair can feel that static movement. Um, so I don't know if, if, if it's really static, but because generally in an aircon room I and mean, when you walk right, you do build up static electricity. 
now now yes as much as I said I know you're like ah yeah E.T. talking cock again as usual and stuff like that I need to thank Tim for grilling the interviewee because uh, there's some parts that, that, that it really was a game changer okay so the game changer was this the dark rings under her eyes okay and Tim asked her oh maybe it's because of the various late nights and stuff. but she specifically said that it was not constant late night it was just that night out of many many days Right, so it's not about working late all the way to have that that, that dark rings. Um, I've heard of uh, of some practitioners. Okay, basically when black magic is being cast on someone, the dark rings start to appear under the eyes. So it's also the same where where a paranormal activity takes place. Um, so 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 in in this case, I would I, I think it sounds pretty legit. Okay, uh, um, but I also think it might have been a combination of uh, imagination at the same time, some form of supernatural activity taking place. Lah. Um, and as you know, every single story that I talk about, I cannot leave these three words alone. Okay, as we all know, Caldecott is a place with high EMF. Um, but the thing is this, um, I've always spoke about how EMF affects your mind, but maybe I do not spend enough time talking about a theory of the other end of the continuum that actually places with high EMF, there's this other theory, that attracts entities. So places with high EMF also do attract entities at the same time. Um, so I'm just saying that this is the other part of the theory in supernatural or paranormal research. So if I really do conclude that this is the Hantu, uh, then it will explain the children and the super scary mirror reflection and stuff like that. I mean, at the end of the day, she confirmed and, and Tim, like I said again, nowadays he's like, he's got the inner ET in him. He went to confirm that it was not their scary makeup that they saw in the, in, in the reflection. Because I know, bro. I know how you work. I know your brain. Which is and I'm good. like, please give me something that I can give E.T. that even he cannot just like pass off, right? If anything, rather than channeling my E.T., I should be getting a high five from Eugene. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah. The thing is this. So when you guys and when Tim or, or, or Tay interviews you, right, to this extent, it's a lot easier for us to identify whether it's an EMF, Hantu or not. So my conclusion for this, um, I don't think it's a cat. Uh, some parts, I, I think there's some explanation, to be honest. I mean, yeah, I, I can't always say it's 100% is the, you know, <laughs> that, 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 thing, that, that, that thing that I don't want to say. What do you mean? I can't always say it's 100%. You never say it. Anyway, my, my conclusion for this is that I, I think there's some uh, uh, paranormal activity that's taking place over there. I mean, we have tons of stories of Caldecott okay um, I don't think it's got something to do with the cemetery to be honest it's usually the place itself uh, either residual haunting or because the place has EMF so places with high EMF do attract entities as well yeah what about the uh, the bridge? You didn't mention anything about the bridge. You did also didn't mention anything about the, the haunted mirror I mean if it's the hantu and if it's a paranormal activity taking place then then that's that lah. But then the bridge, the bridge, or like like they say, it's actually a corridor. It sounds like a, maybe some sort of portal and everything like that. Uh, maybe if I know JT better. Wait a minute. You do know JT better, okay? Let's just put it out there, okay? We found out, okay, everybody, that ET actually knows JT, yeah. uh, which is why even the initials that we've given her, we didn't really want to reveal what her full name was, but ET knows her so well, the moment he heard the voice, he was like, hey, isn't this so-and-so? So because you know JT, you are more likely to actually 
you know, believe what you've just heard from her because you have heard the stories, you know, straight from her and you you do believe that she is very sensitive to these things, and you right? Know, and you know why? Because all this while, all these years when she's told me the story, I've been CSIing the whole thing, <laughs> right? So it's reached a stage that I realize she has a certain ability and she is able to send such things. So I think when she went towards that corridor, maybe it's just something where it's a portal or negative energy or place where, where, where the entity or high EM where where entities all congregate, you know, that they're having a party or something like that. So then she walks away. Honestly, she's a huge cat lover. So that's why I totally ruled out the cat because if not, she would have known. So yeah, that, that that's that. I, I think there's really some some something that's interesting that's going on uh, at the place that's being sold now. All right. Well, there you go. I'm I'm wondering, right, if Et didn't actually know JT personally, whether or not he would have bought into the story as much. <laughs> no, no, but, but because you did a good job at it, honestly. Really, I mean, I mean, it was quite, quite. Certain things were quite clear cut. You, you, you helped me uh, clarify certain things. So I think that was Damn perfect. <laughs> I'm not trying to help you, Et. I'm not trying to help you. I got to put it out there. I am there to try and find things so that yes, it yes, can, yes, does yes, not yeah, help yeah, yeah. you and it makes your job harder. <laughs> you are not alone. Supernatural confessions. JT wasn't the only former employee at the Caldecott Broadcast Centre with encounters. Another fortunate or unfortunate soul to have had his own experiences is veteran and fellow radio DJ Simon Lim. These nights, Simon presents love songs on 1FM 91.3 and hosts his own podcast, The Sensitive Man. But once upon a time, he also manned the microphones at Caldecott Broadcast Centre. So nice to see you guys. I've been watching your podcast as well, oh, and uh, also your YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, all these years knowing you, you know, number one, you are interested in the paranormal, and number two, you have experiences of your own as well. I think I'm a little bit on the sensitive side when it comes to things of the paranormal. In other words, I can't see, but I can hear, and I can mm. feel, or I can sense. One Saturday morning, I entered um, as usual you know to do my shift at the extreme left hand corner a okay. studio along the long hallway of studios yeah in those days we would play cds in 1995 yep. and you play your jingles your trailers all on these like cartridges they look like uh walkman <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Into, yeah you shove them into the machine so the only sound that you would hear really will be your own voice as well as the speakers, right? Because it's mm. a studio. And you would know if there's anyone that would come into the studio because there's no way someone can come into the studio and you not noticing at all. Because so you're it's the so only quiet, person. right? Exactly, right. Yeah. yeah. And then of course you have this console in front of you. Mm. Uh, but being a weekend, I wore flip-flops, slippers. <laughs> mm. So what happened was I was doing my duty, you know, my on-air shift and enjoying the music. I think it was the song, um, Here Comes the Hot Stepper. By Aini Kamozi. Yeah. yeah, yes. So it was playing for a while. Then all of a sudden, I felt a tug on my toe. Someone like pulling my toe. It felt like a human person had, I mean, a human being had pulled your toe. Yeah. So I just calmly said, okay, never mind. Let's just focus and just continue the show. So I, I, I just pulled my legs out of the, you know, 
the tucked in area for your feet or your legs. So you so, feel the tugging on your foot. You quickly look down underneath. There's nothing there. Uh, yeah. How many times did you feel this tug? Or just the one time? What, it's, just, it's just one time. Mm. And then, but I thought it was so weird. And then after that, what happened was, uh, you know, I just kept my feet nearer to, um, you know, the base of the chair instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because it was yeah. like kind of strange. Like it felt so real. Mm. It's impossible. And that's not, not, that's not the end of the story. Okay. After a while, what happened was I continued listening to music and then just carried on, you know, thinking about uh, my talk sets and stuff like that. Um, not long after, um, I heard a voice that said, hello, hello, like that. So I, I thought, hmm, that's strange. Uh, is that the main control engineers? Once again, were your headphones on when you heard this hello? Or are you hearing no. it from the speakers? I'm hearing it in, in or the you're hearing room. It in, you're hearing it in the room and it doesn't sound studio. like it's coming out from any of the monitor speakers. No. It doesn't no. sound like it's coming out from your headphones because no. on the board itself, there is a speaker, like you mentioned, exactly. that engineering sometimes talks to you exactly. through like the intercom. main control room. So mm. initially, I thought that was uh, somebody calling me from the main control room. Yeah. You know, um, MCR, we call that. So I pressed the button to talk to them. I said, anybody called Simon? Yeah. Then they said, nobody. I said, you sure? <laughs> then they said, no, nobody called you. So I was like, okay. What did so the I voice sound like, Simon? What did the it voice sound like? It sounded like a young girl of about like eight to nine years of age around there. I mean, that's the, that's okay. the way I get. Which is, that's which true. then it definitely can't be someone from MCR because none of the engineering no. staff are eight-year-old girls, right? No, exactly. And I don't think you're allowed to bring your kids to a workplace and you know, hang around the yeah. studio. Yeah. So um, what I did was I just continued again, like calmly continued. I thought maybe it's in the song. So I, I turned up the volume of that song yeah. louder yeah. to see, is that part of the song? Mm. Hello, hello. I thought it couldn't be, you know, it's, it's very weird, right? To have hello, hello in the song. Exactly. Impossible. Mm. So what happened was um, I just continued my, my you know, my, my show. Just, just let the music run. And then after that, uh, when I wasn't looking, strangely on the left-hand side where we used to house all these like CD machines and the cartridges, the voice came on again. And it was this time not from the MCR the dashboard where you have the MCR speaker there, right? Where yep. you communicate with uh, the mask control room. Yeah. So it's and coming from your, it's again. coming from the equipment on your left, your CD players, your, yes. your carts. Ooh. It's as if someone is standing behind the CD player on the other yeah. side. Mm. And like, that's where the voice is coming from. So is that all that you heard? It was just hello, hello. There was no yes. other sentence so or words. No, no. So it gave me a bit of the chills, like, hey, something's not right here, you know? Yeah. Um, then, you know, with these kind of things, um, I try not to invite trouble. So <laughs> what I yeah. do is like, I always pretend I'll ignore, yeah. like, okay, it doesn't yeah. exist. Maybe if I pretend that uh, I don't know it's around, mm. then you'll just leave me alone as well, you know? Mm. Like, it can't get to me because they, they, they can't seem to, to think that you know that they're there. Yeah, but you kind of proved <laughs> that you were aware. Every time she said hello, you turned around and you looked, right? Yeah, but you know, so um, I just continued my, my show. But then I said a little uh, like quiet prayer. Mm. And then after that, it stopped. Yeah. Right. And the next, the next time this happened again, yeah. 
was in uh, the year about 2000, about there. So um, one evening, uh, it was quite late in the night, it was about like uh, 11, 11 plus. Um, what happened was, um, you know, we, it was like the first studio as you enter the sixth floor. Yeah, the first studio in the hallway okay. of studios. Yes. You know, all our studios are, are housed there. And what happened was, the, um, I carried on my show as per normal, you know, like uh, talk sets, uh, you know. But then after a while, suddenly whenever you put on the mic, twice it happened. The remote control somehow would just go off by itself and the TV would, the volume of the TV would be switched on. So while you're talking, it's like you hear blah, 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 because the TV's, uh, you know, on at the same time. Okay, but the TV remote is not connected to your board at all. So there's no, no, no reason no. why your television exactly. should come on when you switch on the microphone. There are no crosswires. Exactly. It's not connected. Exactly. No, yeah. no, no way. And you wouldn't have the TV volume on, you, you see, when yeah. you're on air, right? For sure. Exactly. So exactly. it was, the remote control was somewhere else. Mm. The, on the other side of the console, you know, yeah. um, on the guest side, and I wasn't even touching it. But, okay. the, but the TV was on. Let me check. Um, when you were on air, was the television already on? It, the television was on, just but it was on, on mute. Just for visual image. It was on mute. Okay. But when you heard the volume from the television, it wasn't coming out of the board, it was coming out of the television. It was coming out of the television while you're on air. Wow, so, so it's it almost as if so it's almost as if someone had reached for the remote control and upped the volume, raised the volume the moment you went on air because yes. that was really the only so, way for you to control the volume exactly. coming out of the television. So it's kind of like a joke, like someone's playing a prank on you. So um, from the other side, I don't know. After the remote control went on, right, another thing happened. Not long, you know, as I was like listening to music again, uh, concentrating on you know the top sets. Um, I heard tapping on the window pane. So I went to the window to have a look to see if you there was a bird. You actually did. Wow. Yeah, I did. Okay. Because there was like a tapping, like someone's tapping on your window pane, mm. like knock, 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 like a door knocking. The window is made of two panes of glass because yeah. for, the, for the soundproofing effect, yes. right? They actually have two panes of windows, right? So if you hear the tapping, it probably wouldn't have been the tapping of the outermost pain. It would have been the tapping of the innermost pain, which means there had to be someone in between the two I'm panes sure. of glass tapping on the window for you to hear it. Yeah, it was kind of, that was uh, spooky. That was like mm. scary, like, hey, I don't think there's a bird out there, you know? I really don't think there was a bird, it's impossible. Yeah. What I did was, okay, maybe I should just try this. So I opened the door of the studio, <laughs> the main studio, and I said, okay, whoever it is here, I need you to just, you know, go out and play somewhere else because I have to work and I have to do my things. Okay. So after, after two, you can come back. The studio is all yours. Mm. <laughs> all right. And for the and rest of that shift? Yeah. Everything was fine. Uh, everything that uh, we have heard with uh, JT, we have heard from uh, previous uh, iterations of stories that came out of the hill. And this is Simon's personal experience. It's not 
I heard from somebody. It's his own personal experience. And to me, uh, again, this sounds like the work of a very playful, mischievous spirit who's not there to harm anyone. And he did the same thing that all Singaporeans would do when come face to face. Or the second step, when Singaporeans come face to face with supernatural entity after they cannot ignore them anymore, is to tell them nicely, don't disturb me. I'm just going to do my work. And then you can have this place after two. And then, surprisingly, everything stopped. Uh, and what is so hard to to debunk about that, from my opinion, is uh, he he felt the pull, uh, and then you know he he there is the the call the the voice of hello hello, and I think you did a very fine question asking him because you know how all these speaker things work, and I guess from from uh, people who have not been in that room hearing things like hello hello, there could be so many other ways to debunk it, uh, but I think. Right now, you kind of narrow it down a little bit. I'm also quite interested to hear what uh, E.T. has to say. Uh, the other thing that I want to comment on is the double glazed window in a soundproof yeah. room. That was the creepiest part. Remember, like, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how CDs ended up within, like, a certain pane, right? Okay, so that is the... That's like the other side. So that connects studio to studio where you've got a window separating you and you've got two panes of glass, right? For that whole soundproofing, right? And then, you know, there were stories that there were CDs found in that. The window that he was talking about is on the other side of the studio, the studio that looks out to the sky and to the car park, right? And yes, once again, two different panes of glass. So when he says he's hearing knocking, right? If someone was knocking from outside, like outside, outside, you know what I mean? Someone's like hanging on the outside of the building and knocking. You're not actually going to hear that, okay? The only window that's being tapped that you're going to hear is the innermost pane, okay? So if he's hearing a sound of tapping, I don't know if you could fit a human being on the inside, <laughs> in between the two panes of glass to knock on that window to hear. But what if that thing is not within the two panes of glass but in fact the thing is in the room with him knocking on hey, the no glass la. no la don't any say it like that that's even freaking creepier <laughs> right it could have been right the oh thing was there pulling I his I didn't stone. even think about that the thing was already in the room with him wow okay that man I, I need to have a drink like, <laughs> <laughs> that's even scarier than what I, I previously uh, thought uh, all right, I, I guess uh, any, anything else you have questions for me or shall we pass the mic over to uh, E.T.? Okay, one thing I, I, I do want to mention, okay? And once again, this is, I'm going to bring it back to when he talked about the television, okay? All right, so having given it extra thought and you might have wondered why I was so specific when I asked where he was hearing the sound from. Now, our console, okay, is actually connected to the TV. Mm. So you can actually run an audio line from the TV mm. through your mixer board. Yeah. So in times like maybe someone important, prime minister or something like that is giving a speech and it's coming on TV, you can actually, it is actually patched in through the board. So you can actually hit a button and it will go out on air. And that is why I asked him very specifically, where were you hearing the volume from? Mm. Are you hearing the volume from your he headphones, the TV? Are you hearing it from your, your audition, from the board itself? Or are you hearing it from the TV itself? The only way that you can control the volume that is coming out of the TV is with the remote control. And he said he was hearing it from the TV. So if the remote control wasn't even in arm's reach of where he was, 
he couldn't have reached over and adjusted the volume. It's not like I touch something extra button and then suddenly the volume comes up from the TV. Uh, the panels, the board is not connected that way. Mm. So it is very weird for a volume to suddenly come on or to go up from the TV in the middle of his talk set while he's on air without him touching the remote control. Yeah. Any explanation to that, Eugene? The ghost is already there. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost in the room. The ghost is already there in the room to me. It's so clear cut. Yeah. Obviously, there have been stories, and kudos once again to Simon. No matter what he was going through, the fact that he carried on yeah. with his show, uh, because there have been stories of uh, DJs who sometimes they just they, they get out and they just magically appear in the next person's studio and go, "Hey, I sit here for a while, okay." Uh, I, don't don't ask me what happened, but I'm just gonna sit here for a couple of songs, and then they'll go back to their own studio after that. Okay. One one of the things that I think uh, radio DJs, maybe you might try this yourself as well. But I guess the new building is not as scary. Is to remember what we do with all hotel rooms because we always assume there's ghosts in the hotel room, and we go in and knock on the door, and we say, "Can we come in?" Right? Would things have been different if, say, Simon or yourself knocked on the door and? pay respect to the entity in a room and go in. Maybe you might not, you might not be disturbed. Maybe that was the sound. Maybe the knocking heard was someone who was knocking from the outside going, can I come in? <laughs> you never know, right? Yeah. Or worse still, the, the knocking came from a spirit who wanted to be let out of the... <laughs> oh, uh, this is like the, the haunting on Hill House, man. That, that room that, you know, everyone's going in at the same time and you don't know what the door leads to. Enough, Mamo Jumbo. Let's move over to E.T. What do you think of uh, Simon's uh, confession? Okay, um, very interesting confession. Um, I honestly can't find too much science to explain everything he said. Uh, but what was interesting was the TV volume. Yes, I do agree that, uh, you know, uh, that there's no way this can happen and stuff like that. But it's interesting to note that he specifically said that usually when he puts on his mic and then the TV volume goes up. So you know how, I, I'm, I'm not sure how the, 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 the console works. You probably know it better, but somehow uh, if there's some IR uh, infrared uh, beam or something like that that's around that when you switch on something it can cause something else to switch these boards are very old they have no IR to them there's no remote control to the board why I'm saying that is for example like my my fan and my uh, Android box when I press a button right it activates both devices so I'm just thinking, I, I, I don't know the actual how the circuitry works, but I think it might have caused something like that. that, that that's all I'm saying. That, that, that's the most science part I, I can explain because I, I've seen that happen. Um, the tapping on the windows, I think you know better. I guess the, the reason why you guys are in uh, DJs, right, is because you need that soundproof room and everything like that. So I do agree with Tay. I don't think it can come from in between. La. If you hear the sound, it has to come from inside. It can't come from outside. <laughs> oh my God, that's even scarier. <laughs> I was hoping you'd say, oh, it came from outside. Maybe a bird got caught between the two panes or something like that. From the multiple stories you told us about this double wall glass, right? Um, yeah. From what I know about uh, windows, because uh, I've done them before in my house, that there's a, a an air pocket in between because it's supposed to insulate the sound when you have the double layer of glass inside. There's this air pocket so that it really insulates the sound. And I've seen how it works because it makes um, that time my my mom's my mom my late mom's room right a lot quieter when we change to those windows. So I do understand that it's a bit hard to hear that 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 tapping sound. Um, but then again, that being said, um, I don't know, Tim, you got to tell us. It's my time to interview you. Okay. Because your studios are so quiet, someone tapping from outside sure can hear what. Okay, but you also have to recognize that when we say it's quiet, mm. right, 
there is still noise coming from the studio, meaning your music. Yeah, but it's in your headphones, ma. You put down then. No, no, no. Obviously, you still have to monitor the sound that's going out on the radio. So even when you... That is the scariest thing. You cannot tell a DJ, right, on shift, right, to switch off all the volume. They will freak the F out, okay? They need to know that the song that they're playing is still going, is still playing, that there's, the CD is still running. So there's no way if someone taps from outside, you can hear? If you go... Then yes, you can hear that to ah, two panes of glass, okay? okay? But... Like if I'm outside in the corridor, right, and say maybe Yasmin is on shift or something like that, right? Mm. And then I'm trying to get her attention, right? Then I will bang, right? If she's obviously if the on-air light is not on, then she will turn around and she'll look at me. Okay? But he was hearing the tapping from the other side, the window that leads out to the car park. And you're on the sixth floor. Who is going to be standing out there banging on the glass? So then my my, my next question would be would be that. Um, the, the, the voices that he heard the hello and this tapping right mm. did it come up in his audio recordings not? that was being broadcast it wasn't being recorded ah. not all the things that we are saying are actually recorded and the funny thing is mm. some of the stories that he was talking about was once we had moved to the 6th floor already and on the 6th floor there are only 3 studios okay 2 English stations 1 Chinese station alright the rest of the studios all in the basement alright and usually the basement is where you will hear a lot of stories what made this particularly creepy for me is that not many people have heard or encountered anything on the 6th floor except Simon which now proves that whatever little girl or entity was not just restricted to the basement of that building you know what I mean that she can follow them up six floors there was another uh, story that came out once where uh, a DJ put on the headphones hello in the headphones there was another one while they were on air heard a hello coming from the locker room area she jumps out looks there's nobody there so, yeah, creepy, creepy. Have no, I have no explanation to be honest. I don't think Eugene has either. Aside from it must be the HT. <laughs> uh, we're actually hoping that, at least for my benefit, this is the one time I will tell you that I'm hoping to hear ET give a proper explanation because stuff like this affects me directly. I would love for him to go. No, it was this, and believe him. You know what I mean? Because. I've been in that situation. <laughs> you know, when, when stuff happens to other people, I'm like, yeah, well, it happened to you. I hope it's the hantu. Well, if it happens to me, I don't want it to be the <laughs> hantu, okay? <laughs> yeah, so honestly, with, with all these stories coming from that area, right, um, like I said, so so yes, I, I, I would still say maybe that, that it, there's some attributes to the EMF, uh, but we're just not sure whether it affects the mind or, or you know, entities that are attracted to them. That's that, That's my take on it. So okay. I really don't think I can explain anything by science, to be honest, for, for these few things. Because all I can say is EMF, but it's not so much of his uh, uh, mind perception of, of having flashes of seeing things because he didn't see, he heard. And then the tapping on the windows and everything. So, I mean, the only thing I could think of that I had scientific explanation is the TV volume. Other than that, the voice uh, uh, and the tapping, I, I, I don't think it's something I can explain. Someone brought up a good point, okay? Uh, I didn't actually even think about that. Uh, spirits when they want to communicate frequencies right is that why maybe sometimes we hear things over the air or or we're hearing sounds and all that because there are different frequencies that are being used and sometimes you hear stuff coming from a different realm in your current frequency as well yeah so so that that much of uh, frequency is something that in paranormal investigation a lot of uh, us believe that spirits react um 
it's it's almost like the spirit world they work on a different frequency like we around us radio waves are moving around us we cannot see we cannot hear but through the use of a transmitter radio we then capture what's in the wave in the air and transmit over to songs that we hear on a tra- FM radio and spirits work on that level of frequency as well which is why I think that's a very good question could it be anything to do with radio waves and this this uh, occurred to me that when we try to find for EVP or we call it the ghost box um, it's actually a transistor radio where it scans where it scans the channel so it goes very fast like so you get what happens when you scan so fast through the radio channels you get white noise and we believe that spirits through the radio wave all the white all the white noise is able to speak to us using that device and that is why if you look at ghost adventurers or any of the um american movies where they go ghost hunting and they have this what they call a spirit box where you hear a lot of and sometimes you can hear the, the voice go help me so it how they explain that help me away is because the, they scan through the radio station so fast in the in that split second you are not able to say linger on a channel long enough to hear or capture a word from that channel like as if you know i every one second i turn a different channel i possibly i possibly can hear different words right from the songs but because this is go and if you can hear help me it's likely to be from an entity Actually, um, on top of that, if you have your usual Jabra headsets and then you do the, you know, when you hear the environment around you, because that's for safety, right? When you do your jogging, um, what that does is actually it does what a, a EVP does. It magnifies sound. The problem is because us humans, uh, as we conduct our daily lives, right? Sometimes you don't pick up these sensitive frequencies. So it's not so much the transistor radio kind of thing, but just amplifying that noise, right? Your ears can pick up stuff. But usually when we do paranormal research, uh, one more thing that we actually do is to record the sound and actually observe uh, the frequency, the wave, the wave files because it picks up things that sometimes uh, we don't pick up immediately with our ear because our ears can only hear certain frequencies like what Tay has said earlier. Uh, and that explains like, you know, the, the, the dog whistle. You can't hear it, but the dogs go gila when they hear it. So, yeah, and, yes. And that's why we use uh, electronic voice phenomena. La. Something just came to, to, to mind, right? We always talk about how we are trying to communicate with spirits, right? Like, for instance, the start of our podcast, how does it go? It's Eugene going, hello, is anybody there? Can you give me a sign? And now here we are hearing hello, except from the other side. So it's not always the case where we're trying to reach the other side. Sometimes maybe they're trying to reach out to us as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so someone, you know, there could be another version of a Eugene on the other <laughs> side who's trying to communicate with the radio DJs going, hello, is anybody here? Bunch of ghosts going around, um, you know, human investigators. Hello, are there any humans here? Give us a sign. Supernatural Confessions. After admitting that he is particularly sensitive to the supernatural, it's hardly surprising that DJ Simon Lim has had other encounters outside of his time at Caldecott. Something that uh, I did when I was very young, uh, in my early days of national service, well, 
uh, not being a good Christian boy because mm. I'm Christian Catholic, not supposed to do these things. But we're naughty and we're playing with um, that game, you know, the Ouija, the board. Ouija board. Yes, but with the coins. Yes. So we were in yeah. class, right? We were in the classroom waiting for the next lecture. So this young man just drew something on the paper and he asked us to play. So we're having fun with it. Immediately after that, right, uh, not long, about uh, within a week, one by one, all those boys who played with that game uh, fell sick, very sick. Oh dear. I was terribly sick. Like, yeah. I thought I was going to die, to be honest. That got me like, wow, you know, thinking it's real and there's mm. no way anyone could have pushed the coin because yeah. you feel this magnetic force. You're at, you're, you're, you're placing your, your, your fingertip, like mm. the, your nail, right? Your fingernail, yeah. the tip yeah. of your fingernail. At, at the tip of the coin and you can't be pushing nobody could be pushing it but you feel this magnetic force right on the coin yeah and on that paper mm. and it's like dragging you all over around and really really fast and you fast. are getting intelligent answers as well when you were asking uh, the question it wasn't just gibberish. there were a few entities yes and there were a few entities that came out old young and then we got a bit frightened because uh we didn't know what this thing wanted and the thing didn't want to go home because there's a home base, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's very important home. that yes. you need to have it go home before you take yes. your finger off the coin, right? Yes. So I, I I got a bit frightened as well, like with the rest of the guys, like, oh dear, it's like, you know, it's not going home. Mm, okay. Yeah, and, and you, 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 you try to force it like in a, use your fingers like say, can we force it a little bit? Mm -hmm. But this magnetic force is too strong. It's like zooming all over, it's spinning on the paper. Wow, okay. It's spinning, it's like literally spinning round and round and round, going really fast, like, you know, it's like controlling it. Were you, were you scared when, the it, when you saw it happen? Yes, of course. I've never mm. seen anything like this before. So I know that uh, it couldn't have been anyone pushing right. that. Because it's so like everyone's fingers just just lightly tapping it, you know. Yeah, Not and besides, really you would you'd be able to see if someone was exerting a pressing, lot of pressure, yes, right? Yes, yes. Okay. The other thing that's paranormal, may I, may I share this one as well? Sure. Uh, was a, the death of my late sister Wendy. She passed away in 2011. I don't know whether you've you've um, had any interviewees for the show yeah. talk about yeah. tears rolling down. A corpse. No, I've never heard of that. Is that even possible? I thought it was not possible, but it's possible. My very own sister, she was lying the casket at a Singapore casket. Hmm. You wouldn't and believe this it. Is, this is after the body has the gone through processing and all yes. that. All that, yes. And she was all dressed up hmm. and she was lying the coffin. Hmm. My mother, my eldest sister, my younger sister, me, we saw it with our own eyes. One side of her eyes, there's like tears rolling down. A, a dead corpse. Could a this corpse. be, could this, I don't know. I mean, I, I know absolutely nothing about the embalming process. Could this be embalming fluid that's leaking out of her? No, I don't think so. I asked yeah. them, I said, how is that possible? No. And later on, the tears rolled down, like it trickled. Wow. So it's really, really scary. But I think that there were a lot, my sister felt, my elder sister who's more sensitive and closer to my second sister, this is the second sister who passed away, yeah. Wendy. Uh, she was very close to her and she said, I felt that she had a lot of things to say but couldn't say. Mm. And she wanted to communicate with us but she didn't look like she had gone in peace. That was yeah. the face of my sister, you know, in the casket. But I couldn't read that 
my elder sister could read that on her face, but all I did see was like, why is that, you know, why was there the, the tear on one side of the eye? And how is it possible? Wouldn't like the makeup artists, all this has been done, right? The makeup artists had yeah. worked, you know, on their face. Did you face ask them? Did you ask the caretaker, was the caretaker or the undertaker around like, no, no, what is they, this? They, they, no, they, 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 they left already. So yeah. they had presented the body out already. Mm. So we were all just coming around the body and we saw that. So, um... Yeah, and I had a dream about her like a month later that she was in a place that's total darkness, just wandering around. Yeah, it's oh pitch darkness. Like mm. you don't see anything, you know. Did yeah, she, my uh, in your dream, in your dream, did she try to communicate with you? Did she? No, she was just like on her own. It was like a place of solitude and isolation. Mm. Like yeah. you're all alone in the dark place. You can't mm. see anything, but you 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 see her. Yeah. And um, my grandmother, when she passed away, was quite the opposite. She, uh, she, she was like, you know, her face is in peace. And uh, a month later, I dreamt about her. It was kind of strange, but <laughs> maybe because I'm Christian. But mm. I, I had a dream about her about a month later and yeah. after she passed. And then I said, uh, I saw her in heaven, but she was a young woman again. She was no longer 84, almost 85 mm. years. She and you like recognized 20. her? As yes. a young woman, okay. Yes, because I've seen her old photos when she was young. Mm. So I said, "Hey, hey, you gotta tell me how does God look? You know, tell yeah. me because yeah. I want to know." And then she said, "Wait, no, no, no. There are a lot of people here. I have to go through like twenty thousand people. I see a lot of friends, and God is on mm. way on the other side. So I have to go through all these people. I see so many of my friends here." And she was like, "Very happy, just joyful. Everything was bright and mm. just you know." Uh, a sense of peace and joy that I, I felt when I saw her. Yeah. So that was beautiful, and but then, then too bad the dream just uh, ended because I wanted to see like like how 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 fast can I see you know the image of God? But yeah, yeah not my time okay. to see that. Yeah. Wow. Right. Well, hopefully not for a while anyway. Yeah, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Personally, I felt the second part was scary to me uh, in, a, in a very personal way. Like when he played the uh, we, the modified Ouija board with a coin spirit. Like what you said, you just put the tip of your finger there and it goes all around and people goes crazy. It's kind of, it's quite hard to fake that. I know a lot of times when we look at the Ouija board and we say, oh, you hold the planchette and it's easy to fake. That's because you're holding the planchette and you have like a bit of a grip. But when you play the coin spirit, it's really... <laughs> tip of finger on tip of coin. So even if we were to talk about, say, I mean, something that has always been used in this uh, argument, the Idiemoto effect, right? Or as E.T. would say, the Ajinomoto effect, right? It's like sometimes there are involuntary movements that your body makes. You think you're being very still, but your body will make these movements. But when Simon says he touches the coin and it's spinning vigorously around, you know, and no one is really exerting that much pressure. Even if your body was vibrating a little bit, it's not going to be enough for the coin to freaking spin around the entire piece of paper. So it's hard for me to even believe that there is some form of, uh, you know, biopsychology involved in a situation like that. And then everyone gets sick after that. Yeah. Oh, they got severely sick. Uh, and, and so to me, that is a, a, a case of a haunting. But what was strange is he didn't tell us how he got over it. Usually when you play this kind of Ouija board and you get very severely sick, he said he felt like dying. He had to go under a cold eye shower. Uh, you know, we from, from experiences and all the stories that we have heard, 
the spirit don't just after two weeks you know after enough antibiotics they go okay we are done with you so i i would really be interested to find out from from simon did he go and pray did he have any form of divine intervention because he is a catholic boy right and i think at some point he may have gone that route he may not have mentioned it or he may have forgotten it but i'm quite interested to find out what happened i'm guessing i'm guessing yep. he had spiritual intervention so maybe if you can okay. go check on him and let me know yeah possibly um i i don't know if this actually made the interview as well but he also mentioned the 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 camp that he was in was crunchy camp and he was right next to a muslim cemetery so i i don't know when you when you play or when you call for spirits do the spirits necessarily have to be spirits that are you know geographically already close to you to your location but no but then again uh back to the the same point that we talked about with regards to spirits in cemetery i i just don't think it's the spirit from the country cemetery visually as humans when we see cemetery i.e dead people i.e ghosts we get the heebie-jeebies but that's not really uh spiritually the case an army camp itself you don't have to go to cemetery any army camp even without the ones being near cemetery uh, you all hear cases of haunting from there so you don't even go too far across the fence right there in your own uh you know in your own camp probably you have your own spirits to to call in anyway and don't forget uh he he was doing guard duty in areas where uh where the vehicles have all like been total crash accidents happen so you might also have residual spirits of uh, soldiers or people who have died before their time stuck there and these are angry spirits so you call them out to make contact they are just angry and they want to to vent it out and th- that's when I guess the whole paper thing went haywire okay so the thing with uh, with the Ouija board right it's, it's something I always am kind of against even in the past where uh, I used to be with SPI and they wanted to conduct the investigation actually I was very against it because I really do think that that is something or one of the few things that you really conjure things that you cannot control um, honestly it was quite freaky when he, he related the story that when they're doing playing the Ouija board he didn't want to go go to the home base because that's where you end the entire session um, so that's why I've never played with it and I really think everyone should yeah, it's a public service announcement, right? Everyone shouldn't be playing with BG bots because you don't know what you're handling with. Um, and many a times, there have been so many accounts, right, that people who play with it, I've never heard someone who came out with a positive story from it. It's always a negative story. No one said... That is true. I, I don't think I've ever heard a positive story from the Ouija board either. So why do you want to play with something that only gives you negativity? So, you know, let, let's just stay away from it. So that, that, that's as, as much I can say, say for that. Lah. Uh, with regards to his uh, sister, I mean, honestly, when I heard it, it was I, I felt a bit sad lah, because that, that reminded me of, of my, my parents that have passed away as well. Um, the muscles and stuff like that when, when someone passes on right sometimes the, the the reaction can be delayed and the muscles that that control your tear ducts you know some 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 cops still have muscle spasms and stuff like that um, it's not because the person is still alive uh, generally even for myself when I believe when someone passes on um, the, the basically the soul leaves the body so that what's left is just your flesh your muscles and stuff like that so the spirit is generally not there lah. so even if you do see uh, tears and stuff like that uh, at a later part right, it's most likely because of something that's more biological than anything that is uh, paranormal but I do think that someone who is uh, in coma 
uh, where the person is still breathing, the soul is still there. Um, you imagine uh, that that cord that attaches the soul to the body gets tattered and torn, uh, and that person still can feel. Because when my dad was in a uh, coma, he was in stage four, where the doctor told me that there's no way he could have any reaction. But I, I just wanted to save him. I, I just told all the stories that I had with him and stuff like that, you could see his face crying, but he was almost non-responsive. So I think at that point of time, um, someone can still cry because I saw my dad cry, um, but he's no longer with us in a sense. But I think eventually where it's a corpse, where 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 the soul actually leaves the body, it's more biological than, than spiritual. Keep in mind that this is after the body has already gone through processing already. And once again, I'm not an expert when it comes to the whole embalming process, but I was always under the impression by the time the body's already been processed, right? I've consulted with my friend today and I said, you do embalming, I've got a story, I need your professional advice. Hi, my name is Carl and I'm an embalmer from the Lifestyle Brunt. So uh, recently someone actually asked me about uh, shedding of tears, uh, even if you know the doctor already declared that person passed away. So when, when doctors issue the certificate of cause of that, they would consider actually uh, uh, absence of vital signs. But I could say that uh, there are some cells of our body that is still functioning. So uh, this haven't actually proven scientifically, but they say that the last senses in our body that would go out would be our sense of hearing. So um, that's why we still talk to them, even if they, they already pass away. They, we, we still talk to them. Uh, we believe that uh, they can still hear us. Um, there are chances of that during the process, um, they feel extreme pain, extreme sadness. So the, the triggers actually uh, the, 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 the lacrimal glands or the tear glands to produce tears. That's why they shed tears. Um, or there are also possibility that they can hear us grieving the loved one, you know, weeping. That's why uh, it also triggers actually uh, some emotions and triggers the lacrimal glands or tear glands to produce tears. So probably that is, you know, what happened. Is that to say that despite the fact that you are clinically dead and you are lying there, that in some way you are still present when you're in that casket. And that's why you are facing those emotions which do trigger your tear ducts. Because, and think very carefully before you answer this question, because this has very life-changing uh, you know, ramifications for a lot of people who are going through a situation where they go to a funeral and they see their loved ones right there. And yes, a lot of times we want closure, we want to be able to talk. But the concept of if they are still there, present, listening to what you are saying, hence having biological effects running through their body to react in those ways, that's a different thing altogether, bro. Generally, your soul will still be around, but uh, for most belief, or at least what, what I know, lah, is that the, the, the soul will be there. It, it can feel your emotions, but it can't hear because it no longer has ears that the physical body has. 
but it, it can sense your emotions. So it's a bit different. It's more of a point of conscious kind of thing than what we think that, that I mean, to, to clarify your question, like it's not listening in, but it's feeling those emotions and not really physically listening. To add on to that, many, many people that go through near-death experience or they actually left their body and came back, they actually have a review. I think almost 90% or 98% of the people who experience that, they have a five minutes review of their entire lives. So many, many accounts of people having that flashbacks. Actually, what happens is before you die, apparently from all these people, is you get to review your entire life before you leave this earth. So those people that came back to life are the lucky ones. But many of them who came back to life all experienced the same thing that review of life in that short five minutes. He did talk about how he had those dreams about his sister. I mean, is this something you boys want to comment on about? Oh, there's nothing much for me or my point to comment on that. Uh, you know, he, so when someone passed away and you have a dream, that's always going to be very debatable. Uh, but I mean, there have been many different stories and uh, accounts of people who dream about their relatives, uh, especially one of the nurse interview that we had, remember? That, that the nurse I did, uh, she dreamt of her brother and she could see and talk to the brother. Uh, and there have been many cases of the dead coming back and passing a message. Now, whether this is more of an emotional level or this is a supernatural level, I again personally like to think that some of the information that we got through these dreams is very hard to debunk or refute as something that we dreamt up, especially when we get a key information and when we, you know, that we would have no idea about. So I do think that when our loved one passed away, there is that close connection that allows them to come to our dreams because that's the only way they could present themselves and show us some things. But every everything about dreaming of past relatives always point to one thing. And I think this might be something in common if you guys have experienced this. You don't get to hear the dead speak. You see them. They're trying to converse with you. But most people don't have the luxury of hearing the voice. Supernatural Confessions And that concludes this episode of Supernatural Confessions. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider giving us a five-star rating or review wherever you're listening from. Supernatural Confessions, the podcast, is free to listen to on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever podcasts are played. You can also share our podcasts and our content with your friends and help us grow our network of supernatural fans and enthusiasts. For more information on what we do and where we do it, like us on Facebook and visit SupernaturalConfessions.com. Until our next installment, my name is Tim O, and this is Supernatural Confessions. Supernatural Confessions.